Welcome to Inside the Firm, a podcast dedicated to small business owners and hosted by entrepreneurs, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Each week, they take you on their journey of how to start, run, and grow a business by bringing you inside their architecture and real estate development firm. Get a behind-the-scenes tour of how these business leaders manage their clients and foster company culture while creating new and innovative projects. And now your host, Alex Gore and Lance Psycho. Welcome to another edition of Inside the Firm. I am your host, Alex Gramagor. I'm yes. here with Lance Grandpa Psycho. Uh, today we have a great episode for you. Uh, first, I want to kick it off with space, because why not? Because everyone's going into space. Uh, even Bezos is making a space station. Uh, did you know that? I did know that. Okay. Not as good as what's going on in this little brain right here, but we'll leave that for later. Yes, we will. <clears throat> If you want to go to space, maybe get on a rocket ship. It may be mm. a Revit rocket ship. Oh, yeah? Which will teach you Revit and will not get you to the moon at all. It will take you nowhere near the moon. But it might make you efficient enough to afford a ticket to the moon. I love it. Because 2024. That's a good point. They're going to it's, the moon. Not only are they going to the moon, but uh, with this with this, with this this competition that's going on with space travel, like it's going to get... I don't think people understand that it is truly going to get down to an affordable level for maybe even people in the upper middle class. It will. Yeah. It will. Um, And the government... I'm not going there because I'm not crazy. There's no fish in space. Well, but... (laughs) Hey, hey, wait, wait. There are fish on Mars. You (sighs) saw that. That was water. There's water. It's it's a kilometer It's entirely possible. I know, but like... And I got to bring my ice auger up there. What jigs am I going to use? These are good questions to explore. <laughs> Would that be funny if they're like, hey, it only like in, in 20, 30 years, it only costs $10,000 to go to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's going to settle to be serious. I'm uh-huh. going to live there forever. It's like, nah, this is a fishing trip. I heard there was fish up here. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to get the first. I got to catch the first one. I got to do it. Mars fish. Do it. Um, anyways, going back, if you want to afford a Mars fishing trip, yeah. Go to RevitRocketShip.com. What are you doing? Get efficient. Get it on. Get a system. Got to get it on. Get it done. No choice but to get it on. All right. Uh, if you want to also continue with the efficiency, if you haven't used ArcCat Spec Wizard, now's the time. Spec Wizard is a patented tool that allows you to specify a product in just three steps, all for free and without even registering. Step one, research and find the great products for your project on ArcCat.com. Step two, Use the Spec Wizard tool to select products and options. Step three, generate a complete three-part CSI or CSC specification based on your selections. That's it. Again, Spec Wizard is free to use, requires no registration. Just head on over to arcat.com. That's A-R-C-A-T.com today and try Spec Wizard. After you get on the Revit rocket ship, please check that out. Uh, This episode is also brought to you by Pella Luxury. You have never experienced a brand like this before. The collection of brands within the luxury division of Pella are the conversation starters, the pioneers of the industry who provide window and door solutions to discerning architects, the building industry, and beyond. They have decades of experience creating things no one else in the world is creating, and the collection of brands are brought together to complement and build on one another. They don't push beyond the limits. They set them. ExplorePellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm. That's important. Expe- ExplorePellaLuxury.com forward slash the firm today 
Let us know what you think. Al Gore, back to you. All right. Actually, well, it's back to me. There you go. Hey, Lance, back to you. Yeah, back to me again. Look at us throwing this around. Yeah. Um, hitting the old record button on my computer here. If you are not subscribed to us on YouTube, I highly recommend you subscribe to us on YouTube. You can see why I was called a grandma today. Exactly. You could see his beautiful punum accented by the grandma shirt today. And you can see, look at these wonderful tumblers I got going on. But last but certainly not least, obviously the screen. So I've got an article here, and uh, a lot of people who listen to this podcast, specifically the Friday show, are uh, architects with small firms. <clears throat> so Architizer put out a pretty good blog. It's called Young Architect Guide, 10 Reasons to Work in a Small Architecture Firm. Ooh. Some of the best firms are around are living proof that great things come in small packages. So uh, basically... Uh, Steve Ramos is a is passionate is a, from the article. Steve Ramos is passionate about design and architecture. He's the founder of Buildings Are Cool blog, an architect for LS3P in Charleston, South Carolina, and is working on his first book, Breaking the Box: Explode Out of Architecture School to a Successful Career as an Architect. Um, so, in an effort to provide a balanced view, uh, the author of this article reached out to his pal Daniel Beck to help write this guest blog. So, here we go. Uh, number one, number one mm. reason. Okay, the ability to pick and choose clients. Small firms t- can, in quotes, typically decide who they want to work with. The decision isn't made by a number of number cruncher or a marketing team, and then pass down the food chains. Small firm practitioners get to look at their clients in the eye every single time and decide if it's the right fit or not. Al, do you agree? To a certain extent, yeah. It does. Thank I you. mean, you still got to eat food. You still got to live. You, you still, still got to pay eat. people, right? Because what if you get low on cash and or uh, work, food? Or, hey, I don't want to do this remodel. Hey, do you like rent? Okay. <laughs> do you want a house? Okay, then do a remodel. I do see what they're talking about. Num- number two, a greater sense of importance. I think that this ties into mm-hmm. some of the other ones, meaning... At Leaveskin, we had 10 or 12 people on one project. In this firm, we have 10 or 12 people on 100 projects. 150 plus yep. every time. So it, it, it <coughs> means that, for example, I, I remember one, uh, honestly, like each building we designed, maybe four or six people took a stab at it. And one time- At Leaveskin. Yep. Okay. Yep. This one lady did an awesome building. It was great. Stayed, worked late hours, developed it over two or three days, was going to go with it. Some other person came up with a design. Um, it was cool. Immediately switched to that design. Trashed her didn't trash. But literally, you know I, mean, I mean, it went into you the know what trash. I mean. Yeah, the metaphorical it, st- trash. Yep, it went into the metaphorical trash. Like, literally broke down grind. Like, oh my goodness. Like, that's what happens. Uh, wow, I need to start making Al cry. Yeah. I, he showed me a design yesterday, and I was like, it's all right. I almost cried. <laughs> I just pick up your computer. Yeah. <laughs> Throw it in the trash. Walk out. Uh, I hope to be that profitable one day we can prank each other like that. Yes. Yes. Um, so, is this... Sorry. Did you actually touch on number two here? Yes. Oh, okay. Important. because you have more connection to it. Because it's just you, not 10 people. Agreed. It. The here I'm gonna play. Here's the biggest reason why I wanted to bring this up is I wanted to just test these. Alex and I are contrarians, if you haven't noticed, and uh, we're skeptics. I would say, right? If just like 
not trusting everything right away and really needing it to run through our internal feedback loop or whatever you want to call it, right? So if I do the contrarian thing with this point, you know, about the greater sense of importance, yes, you're closer to it. You, it's going to feel more important to you. You're going to have a, the double-edged sword problem with that is that <clears throat> oftentimes, and I think every young designer experiences this, is they become emotionally attached to the project. Mm. Just like you said, you yeah. know. So it, it's still there, but um, maybe, you know, but it's all part of the learning process. And I would take this, like you said, with a grain of salt because you could have a sense of importance that you're in control, you're in charge, you're doing a lot for this one project they say no one rides a bench which is true yeah which could happen at a bigger firm but at a bigger firm you could be working on a bigger project right doing important things on a, on a larger scale so just know that this is uh there's two ways to look at it but um we'll kind of highlight what we feel is true number three i feel like this one is 100 percent true maybe i will contradict me Greater control of the finances. Small firm owners have a lot of control when it comes to how the firm should run from a fiscal standpoint, from what to charge for a project to how bonuses should be paid out. It's all determined by one or two or maybe one or maybe two people, two people. I would agree. And I would say that this ties directly into number four, less management, Mm. less management. I'll tell you about one thing. So uh, YouTube, watching YouTube. This was Steve Jobs. It was probably 10, 15 years ago, maybe even 20 years ago. So what he said about Apple then might not be true about Apple now. Sure. Right? But what he said, he goes, you'd be blown away at Apple. Even even in the 90s, Apple was huge. He goes, we don't have committees. He goes, we have people in charge. We have a chief engineer. We have a chief blah, 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 all these things. And we have teams that report to that. But we don't have a committee because, and I think like that was just it. But you can see why. If we have a committee making that one decision, right, it's going to be a bastardization because everyone wants their input. And then all of a sudden this one thing is going to have to do 10 things and it's going to do those 10 things suckily. Obviously, Apple doesn't do that like, you know. So less management means more direct access. It means less committees. It means sometimes less less meetings. And I think that that's something we have to be aware of as we grow, because I think it's natural to think like, Oh, we got 10, 12. Now we have 15. We got 20, 20 people like, Hey, we should have a committee on this because that's what a business does. Business makes, and we do have one committee. It's a sustainability committee, but yep. And I, I think maybe we either rename it, but there's certain parts where people are in control of certain thing. Your task is this, your task is this, your task is this. Yeah. So while people have input, it's not like 10 people are... Decisions by committee is what we're trying to get rid of. Exactly. Okay. Yep. Less management. Yep. Number five, variety is the spice of life. In a small firm, everyone has to wear multiple hats. While constantly switching between roles can be tough, it also keeps things interesting. The tasks and challenges are different every day. One day, you can be working on a conceptual design. The next day, you are in the field which is literally true with us. I mean, even more so. The next day you are working on construction drawings and then the same afternoon you are interviewing with a potential new client. No two days are the same. And I really like that aspect of the small firm. Al, do you like it? Yep, that's 100% true. I think it makes the weeks go by, the days go by, insanely quick. And what and what's really weird about it is, and this is kind of a little tangential thing, is like, you know that last... <clears throat> Two percent of a construction project is a fellow general contractor. Al mm-hmm. seems like it takes forever. Yep. But then at the same time, I am finding that the week goes by crazy fast. Yes, it's weird. 
it's this weird compression and expansion of, of time that's happening like simultaneously yeah on the construction side of things well it, it's kind of when you're doing stuff it goes by fast if you were just sitting there watching the sun pass right and that's literally watching with, the paint dry with big organizations and I, i'll just go to the army mm -hmm. like it, it's called hurry up and wait because you have to move like hundreds of people at a time right so and you don't want to move them twice mm -hmm. <laughs> because that's a lot of work mm -hmm. so it's like okay we're going to move and do this exercise or this exercise. Okay. Got to get a hundred people gathered. Got to get a hundred people doing this stuff. You got to get a hundred people on this. You know, it's like, holy cow. So like everything takes an hour just to get there before you even start everything. Um, so you're just waiting. And, and, and if it was a tiny army, oh, the two of us have to go to the range. Okay. We'll drive there right now. Yeah. Oh, the two of us need to walk out there and shoot our, and, and grab the things rather than, yeah, you can just imagine you know, like how much it is handing out all the ammunition and making sure it's counting and, you know, can't have random bullets all over the place. Yeah. What's number six, Mr. Core? Greater control of your time. And I think that that ties in. It's because you don't have to get a hundred people to do this. You can make the, the, the decision like, okay, I can do this task. Just like Lance was talking about. Then I can do that task. Then I can go pick up my kids and then I can go do another thing and I can do all that because the only one I have to report to is A, the client and my one boss. Yes. And I don't have to have, like Leapskin, 12 people doing this all at one time because we're all doing things and making the model and all that. So yeah, it's different. Yep. And what they say in the article is basically that it, this allows you to improve your quality of life, right? Um, because you don't have this rigid corporate structure that's large and basically our rule of thumb, which is the same one in this article is like, we don't care as long as the work gets done. If you got to work from home today, you got to work from home today. If you got to, if you have a doctor's I don't care. Like get your, just get your work done. Yep. Don't, don't lie and make it happen. Yep. We are a proponent of systems, but flexible systems based on principles. Bingo. Because too rigid systems like planning department documents and things like that systems, I cannot stress it enough are often dumber than an individual person. And this is where bureaucracy fails is I've been told multiple times and you've seen it in government in, in, in large literally corporations. large corporations is, Oh, we can't do that because of the rules. And you're like, yeah, but you realize that this makes no sense. Yeah. No, no common sense um, at all. Yep. Number seven, doing the marketing, hiring and accounting, et cetera. Uh, getting to be an intimate part of running a business is one of the best parts of working in a small firm. You aren't just an architect, you are a small business owner. Uh, so this was this is what drew me when I was working for small firms before uh, we Alex and I co-founded F9, and that is <clears throat> being able to see that intimateness and understanding that, especially if you get with, I think this is something that all prospective graduates really need to consider. Sure, go work for Gensler. There's not, I have nothing yes. against Gensler. Do it. Um, go under, get in that corporate environment and, and see if you like it. Maybe you will. Yep. But at the complete opposite end of that, understand that if you got with a firm, let's say it was me and Al restarting F9 for some reason, and you're listening to this podcast and you hear that and you're like, well, they just restarted. It's F10. Sure. For some, or whatever it is. Or, or Gore Psycho Architects. That's what I think yeah. we wanted to do, right? Yeah, yeah. Psycho Gore. Uh, psycho Gore, yeah. And uh, you're like, oh man, I'm going to get in on the ground floor of those guys' new firm. And if I prove that I am a... Uh, a good a great employee and I have leadership qualities and all of that I bet I could move up the ladder much quicker in this small firm and get more responsibility more rewards 
than I could over a Gensler. I think that's where I that's why that's what drew me to working with small firms first. Yep, I think that's great. Even though we ended up just getting laid off and then starting our own firm, still. Yeah, <laughs> but I did get to go on. To be fair, I did get to go on several sales meetings with the owners of the previous firm I worked for, and that was helpful to understand that process. Yep. Yep. Number yep. eight hour. Building personal relationships. Um, sometimes in a big firm, you can feel like a cog in the machine. That's true. Um, like we said, because of all the other points, how involved you are in the projects, how deep you are in, in the projects, you can really build those personal relationships. Um, and, and what's also helpful too, there's different reasons for different size firms. One is in huge complicated buildings, right? It's good to have specialties in um, structural layout and ADA and all this other stuff, right? But in smaller projects, it's really good to have a good concept of all of them to make the project tie in together, right? Um, and then to do that, you're communicating normally with a client personally rather than a corporate committee, right? Um, even the big projects that we had at Leapskin, it would be a huge table and there would be like the 10 of us and then it would literally be like 10 corporate people. And I'm so glad after an hour they let all of us little people go and then just... Oh, and you didn't have to hear just the nonsense. Dude, sure. Lance, it was book stacked, oh, okay. 400 pages. And I would look in because I remember... Uh, um, I can't remember his name right now, but like he was in on the meeting and they're just, there's a book that, you know, like 400 pages, they have one and they're just going through it. I check it four hours later. They're still going through that book. I was like, I'm glad I'm going to Burger King right now. <laughs> I got something else to do. Heck yeah. Yep. Flame broiled. Number nine, job security. Small firms can't afford to hire and fire because turnover employees extremely costly. 100% true. Since you, uh, well, so once you are in a small firm, your job, assuming you do it well, is fairly safe because you are contributing directly to the entire firm's overall well-being. Small firms don't typically have any fat to trim. Now, I'm not saying uh, people in small firms don't get laid off in the recession. Ha <laughs> ha. Sorry. <laughs> but, I, but I believe small firms hold on to their employees as long as possible, whereas big firms are quicker to fire people in order to maintain the bottom line. Right. And so if you are running a small firm, this is 100% true, um, with the exception of that, I would add a like a caveat to this, and that is, if you're if the small firm that you decide to go work for is putting all of their eggs in one basket, you need to not you need to really reconsider whether you think it's a there's job security there, and that is something I hope everybody learned their lesson from in the last recession. We've talked about it too many times in this podcast. Yep. Number ten, recognition. Right. Yep. So, like we we talked about. A lot of times it's not the principals doing all the work. And I know some great firms here in, in Colorado Boulder where the famous principal and uh, asked him how he managed. Um, you mentioned him today uh, during our meeting. He was on the podcast. He has a design build firm. The You mean the one of your guests that you interviewed? Yes. Oh, yeah. Uh, say, say it again. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Just tell me. The Boulder. Architect oh, Builder. Oh, Scott Robin. Sorry. That's all I Scott need. Scott Robin. Yeah. Um, anyways, he, he, he speaks to all the clients, um, and then touches in with his staff, but his staff then leads it yeah. and does all that. And while Scott Rodwin's firm might get a reward, Scott knows, and everyone knows in that firm, like, Hey, Molly did that project. That, that was all her. Yep. Great job, Molly. Yep. Exactly. There's a Molly at that firm. Shout out to you. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I thought this was worth bringing up because obviously we are a small firm and we have people listening as small firms. So uh, there you go. Al, yeah. 
I Back have something. To you. Back to you. So since we are building, one of the projects I built almost a year ago, about 11 months ago, we had, so at, we have a punch list when we are basically wrapping up the building. Then at one month, we come out and see what's going on um, and wrap up probably maybe some of those punch list things that maybe didn't get complete for X, Y, Z, maybe something didn't get shipped to us. Mm-hmm. Then at three months, we see if there's anything else needed. And then the big one is at 11 months, right? Because you have basically a one month warranty. So uh, one month to complete that 11, that final is what you're saying. That was right. why, that's why you do it at 11. Okay. Yep. Okay. So anyways, um, I had zero expectations going in. Um, and it could, so it could be everything from, Hey, doors aren't hanging right to paints, not doing right to, um, if there was anything with the mechanical or plumbing, you'd probably fix that right away. Um, so it, it could be anything from a huge list to a small list. And it was extremely pleasant meeting with that owner again. Uh, the, the house looks amazing. Um, there was one concern about like the sump pump, but we went in the crawl space and talked it through with him and everything was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, there, uh, we're going to do something for free for him just to make the crawl space access a little bit easier. Um, the mop sink, some of the caulking, um, didn't hold right. So we're going to redo that. And then he's like, Hey, I want this modification and this modification. I'll pay you for it. You guys want to do it? Um, and, and one of our workers were there and was taking notes and is going to handle that. Yep. So it couldn't have been simpler. It couldn't have been more pleasant. It was a nice way to button up. Um, not, not only to do what's right for the client, right. But to see like, Oh, okay. If this, if there was something that failed, make sure not to do that again in the future. The house looked great. I was so happy. That's um, awesome. Yeah. So I well, have my, um, I have a punch list at one thirty today for a TI that we are finishing up in Longmont. Um, and so I'll be maybe talking about that, uh, next week. Uh, so you kind of going to get the end and then the beginning of, of all that should work. Yep. Al Gore, what is thrashing? So I had a great conversation with uh, Mike uh, McCallowitz. He, I think, will be on the podcast Monday Morning Edition, not next Monday, but the Monday afterwards, it looks like. Maybe I did my date wrong. Anyways, he's the author. If you've heard of the book, The Pumpkin Plan, right? That's his book, uh, Profit First. Uh, he just released Get Different. We went through a lot of the key concepts. Uh, on, on the show with him? Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. so when that comes out, um, I encourage you to listen, but one thing you talked about was, and I wanted to bring this up, Lance and I have been talking to our, our staff about it and, and we're going to keep talking about it because I, I think it's that important. It's a computer term. It's called thrashing, yeah. right? So when a computer is assigned, let's say one task, it does that task and probably does it pretty quick, right? <clears throat> when it's assigned two tasks, it is going back and forth and executing items on that task and it's doing it in nanoseconds. So you think it's happening at the same time, but it's not. It's going back and forth, back and forth. Same thing with three tasks, four tasks, five tasks, six tasks, whatever. There gets a point, and it's known in the computer industry, where let's say you have 400 tasks. I'm just making up a number. I don't know what it actually is. Probably depends on the horsepower that you have in your computer. Mm-hmm. All it does is it goes from item one to item two and say, hey, anything going on here? Anything wrong? No. Okay. Nothing wrong? Okay. Go to the next one. Anything wrong? No. Okay. Go to the next one. Anything wrong? Uh, nope. Go to the next one. And it does absolutely nothing because it's just 
checking in on that. So as small farm owners, a lot of times you can have a lot of projects and you can have them spinning in your brain and you can have and you can think to yourself that you're making progress if you're like, oh, I'll call this client and just let them know that we're going to get started on this. Oh, I need to talk to the structural engineer on the other one. Oh, on this one, I need to uh, tell something that tell someone what the client told me. On another project, I'm going to tell the uh, Lance, the, the principal, what's going on. It, uh, on and so on. All of a sudden, you spend two, three days, and all you did was just kind of check in and touch on everything. And by the time that three days come, all those projects have cycled back to you, and you're just doing the same thing, and you got mm. nothing done. Mm-hmm. Nothing done. You've just touched on them. So you really need to prioritize and execute. Meaning for this week, let's say there's 10 projects. Let's sure. just make up a number. You need to distinguish and separate. Okay, six of them, I just need to send out information to the engineer, talk to the owner, and talk to my boss. The other four, I have actual things I need to do and get done. And that's how I need to think about it. Is that these six projects, I ain't going to do nothing but maybe communicate and let people know things. But four of them, I have to execute on. So that you aren't just lumping them all together, Mm -hmm. touching all of them and doing nothing. Mm Mm-hmm. Talk to the city. I need to talk to the city. There's many things that you can do that don't really do too much, even though they need to get done. Yeah, it's something that you're going to experience once you once you once you get to a, a point in your career, and you have that many irons in the fire, projects in the fire, right? Sort of thing. So, uh, I do think we have a Nick reads, but before we get to that, uh, responsibility is what I wanted to talk about. Uh, so if you have decided to maybe take the leap uh, to go architect to builder, if you haven't checked out the architect to builder course, I highly recommend it. That Alex and I put together, but <clears throat> one of the project types that we we are on our second um, one right now. The first one was the office that you see behind me and in me are all over around me. Right, is the, it's a tenant finished. Right, essentially it's a small commercial space. So we did it. We were doing another one. I have final inspections here this afternoon um, for our four thousand square foot. Uh, dog accessory store in in Longmont, Colorado, and uh, <clears throat> what what I think what the, what I'm bringing up is the title of this and and even the this today's podcast is whose responsibility is it really? So uh, one thing you should be aware of if you are doing a, just an interior tenant finish uh, for commercial wise for a owner um, is how do you intersect with the corn shell? Whose responsibility? is what and there's two places i want you to uh, there's two things you should be writing down right now or thinking about or taking notes on and that is number one uh i need to see the owner's lease what does the owner that i'm building for what does their lease say that is going to be provided from them from or to them from the developer and and what does that language entail what is, did they spell it out exactly? So uh, then, then the second thing is, if that isn't clear enough for you, and let's say at the same time that you're building, the corn shell folks have just completed their work. Maybe it's a brand new strip mall or something. I don't. It it it's going to be a weird fine line, and I haven't crossed this fine line yet. I might need. We might need to in the next couple of weeks, um, in order to help this owner out, and that is. Understanding what the Corn Shell GC's contract is with the developer, and what is spelled out that they are supposed to deliver. Here, here's some examples. 
who's responsible for setting, calling in the inspections, running the gas lines, and getting the meter set for your tenant. I've spoken with several other contractors, friends, and they've said, for, for the most part, for what they've seen in Colorado specifically, it is up to the building corn shell developer slash and or the builder to take care of that. I have spoken with some people outside of Colorado, and they said in some jurisdictions, they are seeing it about split. In other words, it's up to the tenant to make sure their meter is set, or in the opposite, that would be, the, again, the corn shell, right? That's one example. But how are you meeting? How is your interior finish meeting the exterior? Are you able to just plug in, or is some of your responsibility extending outward from there? So if if uh, if I was if we in the future on a, on another tenant finish that is one of the first things I would run right at, even even with like a <clears throat> let's say you're doing a new custom house or a little custom commercial building, same sort of thinking but like understand your critical path. So for a house, for example, one of the things that's probably going to hold you up is like services coming in. Right away when you get that permit, I want you to go understand and get in touch with what is like gas getting gas to the house and a gas meter set for one of the very first things you should be tackling same thing with electrical same thing with with sewer same thing with water and make sure those things are in play right away because what you're going to be up against is a, a government and corporate bureaucracies that are going to slow and muddy the whole thing down because there's very specific procedures like just alex talked about on the podcast on this episode specifically that you have to wade through these folks cannot untangle themselves mm-hmm. from the web of bureaucracy that they have to go through. Um, so understand whose responsibility is it really from the get-go. What, do, right. we got, what do we got next? Let's have responsible Nick read something to us. Oh, he's the most responsible guy I've ever seen. Hello, best friends. I hope you all had a great week this week. A reading. I sat there and forgot and forgot. Until what remained was the river that went by, and I who watched. Eventually, the watcher joined the river, and there was only one of us. I believe it was the river. Even the autonomy of the river was laid bare. Not far downstream was a dry channel where the river had once run. And part of the way to come to know a thing is through its death. But years ago, I had known the river when it flowed through that now dry channel so I can enliven its stony remains with the waters of memory. Norman MacLean. A river runs through it and other stories. Toodles. Toodles. Here's how I'm going to connect that. Beautiful read from Nick. Thank you, Nick. Of Nick Reads. Thank you, as usual. Yep. Uh, Is just back to what I was speaking about before Nick got on to the uh, podcast here. And that is if you've right, learn from the critical paths, the rivers, let's call them rivers, right? And you know that the paths are still going to be somewhat similar on the next project. And it doesn't matter what kind of project it is. So recognize where that old channel was running because you're going to forge a new one. And what is the quickest, most efficient way for you to make that run? How was that? There you go. There you go. I call you Lance Fisherman Psycho. Um, well, I think it's time now. Let's bring down the crew for a little ARE Jeopardy. 
Probably. All right. This is for wood uh, construction. This is a sheathing question. So your OSB sheathing. Uh, the question is number one. You should provide a blank inch space between floor sheathing. Uh, is it A, zero inches, B, an eighth inch, C, a quarter inch, or D, a half inch? So when you are laying sheathing and you are placing it together, it is tongue and groom, but you, um, sh you should provide blank space, inch space, so how much space between floor sheathing. Is it A, zero inches? No space. B, an eighth inch. C, a quarter inch. Or D, half inch. All right. B, 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 was the, which is an eighth inch. You are all correct. Did you all know that or did you guess? Okay. Um, wood flexes a little bit, but one of the main reasons also is... Uh, your sink, you know, piping explodes, something falls over, it gets wet. If everything is super tight, it's going to start to buckle yep. up on you. Yep. Good point. So you use a nail. Yep. You use a nail. Um, and then. But are you talking about where the tongue meets the groove? Or are you talking about the, the flat edge? Uh, both because where the tongue meets the groove, the tongue will still go in there, yeah. but there's an eighth inch between the top part and then the tongue is a little bit thicker okay. so that it goes in. And then Corey says, once you get good enough, you can just eyeball it. It's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Two, what does CLT stand for? <laughs> is it A, connected laid, laid timber? Is it B, custom laid timber? Is it C, cross laminated timber? Or is it D, cut laminated timber? I will not repeat them. C, 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 C. You guys are amazing. Wow. Amazing. How did they know that? Cross laminated timber. Number three, what is used to manage stormwater runoff to prevent flooding and erosion? Is it A, retention basin, B, detention basin, C, detention pond, C, or D, stormwater sewer? <laughs> Read it again. What is used to manage stormwater runoff to prevent flooding and erosion? Is it A, retention basin, B, detention basin, C, detention pond, or D, stormwater sewer? Mm -hmm. uh, let's see here. We got A, C, C, D. The correct answer is A, retention basin. Uh, okay. I, will, I would argue I, I with will, that question. I'm going to unpack this after we get past four, okay? Okay. Uh, can I get a quick count of where we got? So we've got two, three, three. three. Two. Bailey is murdering lately. Is, yeah. Will this be four in a row? No. Ah, darn him. Okay, number four. What is used as an overflow to manage stormwater runoff when other basins are full? <laughs> yeah, Gresh loves this. A, retention basin. B, detention basin. C, detention pond. D, stormwater sewer. What? Is, oh, we already got the answers. Good. No, no repeats this time. We got D, C, D, or D. The correct answer is B, detention <laughs> basin. So explain this. In All the right. So <clears throat> basically a retention basin, that was the first answer, is used to manage stormwater runoff to prevent flooding and erosion, always contains water 
with surrounding landscaping. Detention basin is used as an overflow, overflow to manage stormwater runoff when other basins are full, always dry, except during storms. Okay, caveat to all this is whatever jurisdiction you are in or state that you're in, make sure to ask your civil because there are certain terms and they mean certain things in certain regions. So even though if this is a widespread things, um, yeah. the everyone might be using the words differently than that and and please use the ones that are in your area uh bailey are we going to perkins or blue corn there we go yeah. <laughs> awesome awesome that's all i have lance uh, take us out if you like this episode please share with a friend leave us a five-star review on itunes make sure you smash that like buttons hit subscribe on youtube we will see you next week 